So hello and welcome to episode 12 of On The Same Landing Page. As always, I'm your host, Astra Nita, the Head of Advertising. We've got Marketing Manager Jason here as well. Say hello. 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 And today we have our very first charity guest on, who is Jake Criswick from Play It Forward. Uh, I'm going to move swiftly into our first segment, which is usually called 10 Minutes with a Marketeer, but we have repurposed it for charity and it's going to be called Spilling the Charity. So Jake, I invite you to spill the charity. Um, do you want to set the scene a little bit and just in your own words describe what is the mission of play it forward yeah sure um firstly thanks for having me on um it's nice to be the first charity guest on your podcast yeah um, it's really good to be here so yeah i'm jake i'm the ceo of play it forward um and really kind of our mission is to make sure that young people in zambia um reach their full potential and thrive um and we we do this through a number of mechanisms. Uh, we use football as a way to kind of reach people um, and attract people. Uh, and this gives them something to enjoy, um, an element of fun. And, and we can use that to kind of use that to incorporate messages around health and education. Mm-hmm. Um, and really this helps young people take control of their lives rather than just giving them something. Um, we, we empower them uh, and, and this gives them the skills that they need um, in school, um, in workforce and in life really. Um, So really we're trying to create people who are holistic and aspire and conscientious uh, and that way they become impactful leaders and ultimately they can give back to their communities. Yeah, I think with like play it forward, most people assume it's it's just a sports charity, but you do so much more than that, right? You do like HIV testing and education, nutrition information, schooling, um, so what kind of, what's the, the span of everything that you cover? I know it's quite big, so feel free to cut some out, but. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, it's often hard to kind of capture it in a, in a sentence or something, but yeah, we do focus a lot around health and nutrition um, activities. Um, so this might be incorporating messages around HIV and sexual health into football drills. Um, we train a network of young people who can then go and deliver these drills into their communities. Um, helping them to understand the risks, um, mm-hmm. how to prevent um, and get treatment for HIV and AIDS, which is still a, a major issue in, in Zambian communities. Mm-hmm. Actually, since the pandemic, uh, adolescent HIV infections are increasing again. Um, oh, so wow. it's, it's things like this that, you know, we we kind of think that the AIDS pandemic is, is kind of a thing of the 90s, um, yeah. but it's actually increasing again. So we're working hard with with local charities and um, treatment centres to overcome this. Why wow, it's the, interesting. Um, go on, Jason, go on. Sorry, why did the uh, pandemic uh, affect that, do you think? Um, it might be obvious, but I don't I, I wouldn't know why that would have affected those rates going back up. Yeah, I think it's, it's a number of issues, really. But I think majorly it's to do with resources that were directed for kind of prevention um, and services for HIV were then redirected to COVID um, centres. And, you know, in a way this had to happen because um, COVID was a real threat and globally, um, but it did mean that the people who were perhaps getting treatment were unable to get it because they didn't have the services, weren't able to get them to them because they were closed uh, and clinics maybe were prioritising vaccinations for COVID over kind of HIV medication. So, yeah, I think that's one of the challenges. Uh, And also, I think it's just where funding trends go. Uh, and unfortunately, yeah. I think, like I said before, in the 90s, there was a lot of narrative and story around HIV and AIDS and everyone was talking about it and this new disease that came through and that probably lasted to the early 2000s. But kind of now 
you know, times have kind of moved on and there's other things that come to light, whether that's kind of conflict in Ukraine and Russia and um, mm -hmm. whatever, like there's so many more things that grab people's attention. So it's, it's difficult to kind of show your story and say, you know, still there is a real issue here, but um, we're working kind of with the communities to see how we can overcome that. Sure. I guess is that kind of like reshifted the focus of it then? Because obviously you might have concentrated more on like the health side of things before and HIV was one of the facets. Are you kind of like trying to push that more into the line right now with it raising? Is that one of the key things you're working towards? Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think, you know, there's there's lots of charities in Zambia doing amazing work. Um, and in a sense, you have to find your niche. Um, mm -hmm. You have to find, you know, look at the community that you're working with. You know, where is the need? Um, and often that changes. Um, it, it could be kind of nutrition and access to water and sanitation facilities, um, which is still um, a huge, hugely important in rural communities. But kind of where we work um, in more kind of urban communities in Livingstone, mm -hmm. um, particularly where you've got um, populations with lots of travel and truckers and lorry drivers coming through, unfortunately, those kind of, kind of transient workers um, lead mm -hmm. to kind of increased HIV and AIDS rates um, in the communities there. I see. So you talked a little bit there about like finding your niche. Uh, I kind of got like a two part question. So I'll start at the broader end. But like, how did the charity come to form? What was the inspiration there? So it was about 10 years ago. Our chairman, um, a guy called Oliver Brendan, I think he was on holiday in Zambia at the time. Mm -hmm. And I think he just decided to get a, a four by four and kind of drive off into the rural villages, um, see what was happening, get get more of a perspective on the real Zambia. Um, I think when he got there, he he really kind of realised, you know, that these schools had nothing. Um, a lot of them didn't even have a borehole. They didn't have access to clean water. They didn't have toilets. Uh, and so he he kind of was like, I want to do something about this. And so he came back to the UK and did lots of fundraising, um, made a promise to one of the head teachers that he met out there that he would come back and build uh, a school. And wow. he, he did that and he, he went back, uh, he gave the money to a local charity to help them build that school. And, you know, since since then, um, we've helped with the funding and construction of 18 schools over Zambia. Uh, and that's helped kind of more than 9000 children getting access to clean water, education wow. um, and sanitation. So it's it's kind of stemmed from that and it's it's grown and kind of football is maybe a newer element into it. Um, mm -hmm. But um, it's that kind of 10 year period is where we've come from, really. Wow, that's like more than one a year, which is very impressive. You know, yeah, yeah, it's a lot of work. Um, and yeah, it's I think a lot of the work is, is planning these things, budgeting mm -hmm. them um, and then really kind of making sure that the community have ownership over these projects. So, so making sure that we're employing local builders, um, you know, we're giving people jobs um, and they can kind of take kind of control of their own um, futures um, and make sure that communities that they live in are supported. Yeah, it's really good that it's like all encompassing because there's almost um, not to use like a phrase that I hate, but there's almost uh, a lot of feeling I know in certain African communities where people come over from Western societies and build schools and stuff and they they can kind of be a little bit resentful of it because it's that whole like white savior thing. But by employing local people, making sure that they have the jobs and stuff, obviously you mediate a lot of the concerns that they would have otherwise, I assume. Yeah, definitely. I think we're, we're trying to shift away from that that culture of donor dependency or, yeah. or white saviours, which we've seen mm -hmm. so much narrative around in the last kind of few years, especially. 
and I think you know with this movement of decolonizing aid as well is, is a big one yeah um, making sure that kind of the global south have access and resources um, because ultimately a lot of funding is is coming from the global north and it's difficult for the organizations who are sometimes making the biggest impact to actually mm -hmm. get those funds um, so it's it's important that they are empowered and they have the resources and capacity to be able to do that. If I bring it back to the second part of my question, so you have to cast your mind back sort of five minutes there. Uh, but you also said in the answer uh, that there are, lot, there are lots of charities in Zambia doing this kind of thing and obviously all over Africa. I don't know if you remember like being younger, but you'd constantly see adverts on the television for like water aid in African countries or like malaria aid, that sort of thing. How do you, or how easy is it or difficult to differentiate yourself when so many people are sort of operating in the same environment? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Um, and it, it does sometimes feel like a crowded space. Um, mm -hmm. there's, there's lots of charities. Um, and I think, you know, in the UK alone, there's, I think maybe over 170,000 charities um, yeah. on this year, small charities. Um, they're not all, working abroad or in Africa um, but we are seeing kind of new charities emerging um, all the time and and that is a good thing um, I think there's there's so much need in the communities that we work in um, but you do have to kind of make sure you're not treading on someone else's toes or mm -hmm. um, you know tackling an issue that has already you know another charity is all, already addressing that um, so I think firstly it's about making sure that you've done a kind of a good scoping exercise of, of what's around, um, making sure that you've reached out to um, any partners or charities, local ministries, um, mm -hmm. where you're working to, to make sure you understand where you would fit in kind of civil society. Um, and I think you, you have to think about, you know, are you targeting a geographical area or, mm -hmm. or are you targeting a, a specific cause? Yeah. Feel, so some some charities have it, you know, quite an easy selling point. You know, they they exist to to eliminate tuberculosis or something, mm -hmm. and it, it's very obvious as what they do. Um, I think their marketing, their branding is is relatively easy in that respect. But I think sometimes when you're doing something more holistically or targeting a community, there's lots of different problems that you want to tackle, and oh. I think sometimes you get carried away with saying, "I want to do this, I want to help with this," um, and I think. You know, I'm always thinking, how can we be more focused um, and how can we communicate what we do to our donors more effectively? Mm -hmm. um, but um, yeah, I think for us, it's it is kind of multifaceted. I think we we look at young people and ultimately they're not achieving their full potential. They're mm -hmm. limited by a number of things, whether that's getting into schools, whether that's um, having three meals on the table every day, mm -hmm. uh, whether that's uh, diseases like HIV, AIDS. Um, and also employment opportunities. You know, do they have the skills when they come out of school to be able to secure employment? Mm -hmm. And are those opportunities available in Zambia? So there's so many different things that we have to kind of put under one umbrella. Um, but ultimately, we, we use football as a way of, of our kind of tool uh, of, of doing that. Mm -hmm. So interesting what you said about uh, where you're not wanting to step on each other's toes and not being aware of what other people are already doing. That's like the original function of business is like companies would be created for a purpose and then they'd disband after that purpose would be done so they'd like build a bridge and there'd be a company to build the bridge and then the company would disband and then those people would go on somewhere else um and that compares to like some of the other sectors that we work on where 
you know, we'll use terminology like the competitors and like when we've talked to charities um, mm -hmm. as part of our ad grant work that we're doing, it's not like that word doesn't work. Like they're like, they're not competitive. We're just trying to do the same thing as them. And we're trying to make sure we do the things they can't do and not the same thing better. Like it's not, if yeah. we if it gets done, if the, if the if the problem gets solved, we're all happy. It's not like a case of we want to make money from it or profit from it at all. It's It's a very, it's a very um, rewarding kind of a approach to kind of achieving an objective via organisations, right? Yeah, I think particularly it was quite nice during the, the COVID pandemic. One of the good things to come out of it was that we were working with so many more charities in the area. Um, often we didn't know they existed um, at all, but I think that it brought everyone together like it did in the UK. Um, it did in Zambia and we we, we created this network of charities in the COVID response uh, and we put resources in to fund kind of um, soap and masks and digging new boreholes to make sure people have clean water. Um, and, and this kind of network of charities formed, which we'd never had before. And, and it was really nice to kind of hear about what other people were doing. And, you know, we would work together and go to a community and deliver uh, information about COVID and, and also distributing resources. And so I think, you know, we weren't at all stepping on each other's toes, but we agreed, you know, we had to come together and by coming together, we were stronger and more, more effective and more impactful. Wow, that's really cool. I guess as well, like I know, I know digitally speaking, um, lots of charities share skills amongst each other as well and kind of like pay it forward, if you like. Got it in. <laughs> <laughs> so it's nice to see that people do that. I mean, so often, particularly in our field, you know, we, we've done a lot of B2B stuff. There's a lot of like clashing of horns. So it's nice to see that charities are kind of like open arms welcoming each other. In terms of in terms of the fundraising, so you've spoken a lot about the pandemic there. I mean, obviously, it's still very fresh in everybody's minds. But how did it affect your fundraising efforts? Did you, well, like most of the world, I assume a lot of it had to go online. And um, but did it increase? Did it decrease? Did your activities change? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it was a difficult period. Um, I think mm. there's no kind of way around it. It was tough. Uh, yeah. We saw a huge uh, drop in our income. I think. Mm -hmm you know, almost 50% for, for that year. Um, wow. And I think, you know, that, that highlighted to us that, you know, we didn't have a good diverse revenue. Um, you know, I think I'll be the first to admit that is that we were quite reliant on um, a few donors, a few major donors. And I think often that is the case with, with a number of charities. So I think that diversification element became really apparent that, you know, we, we can't just survive by relying on one, one person. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, we, we had to adapt. Uh, we were in a position where we almost went into our reserves. Um, right. And, you know, it, it seems quite alarming at the, at when you're in that moment and you're thinking, goodness, like, what's the end of this? Like, how long will this go on? Um, but it also took some comfort from the trustees and from our kind of conversations that, you know, this is what reserves are for. Um, mm -hmm. This is why we have reserves um, for, for a situ situation like this. Um, and there was a lot of kind of very negative narrative um, kind of at the start of the pandemic and quite rightly so. No one knew what was ahead of us. I think the Charities Aid Foundation even said that, you know, one in four charities um, would need to use their reserves um, to help them through the pandemic. And I think uh, another stat from Bond, who are kind of an international charity development network, mm -hmm. um, said that kind of two in five charities wouldn't actually make it through the pandemic. Yeah. Um, and when you hear these things, it kind of plugs in the back of your mind and you're thinking, goodness, am I going to be, you know, 
two of those five charities. And so you're thinking, what can we do quickly to try and make sure that we're not just a statistic like that? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we we definitely did move things online. Um, over the last few years, we, we've invested a lot more into kind of social media. We've, we've looked at kind of marketing agencies and looking at kind of SEO in our website and in PPC. Uh, and I think you, we had to stop all of our events. So we, so we had no choice, but the only way we could raise was to do online campaigns. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we're kind of very new to this space still. Uh, and being a small charity, unfortunately, we don't have the resources or the kind of capacity to kind of run big campaigns but we we were definitely and we still are really in the exploration phase of you know what's working well for us um you know are these campaigns working how do our donors best respond to these um and so i think we, we had to change that completely um and also looking at diversifying our our income stream um we, we were very reliant on corporate giving, um, mm-hmm. particularly a few companies in the travel industry. Um, and, you know, as they had challenges of their own, um, you know, yeah, well, yeah. they weren't in a position to give to us. And so, um, yeah, it was a difficult time. Just to uh, just jump in there on some of the, um, so SEO, some some, some people listening might not know what it, what it stands for and what it means and PPC as well. So pay-per-click is PPC. Um, and it's anything where you pay per click or even impressions, really. But that's the term we use for mostly Google ads, search ads, things like that, where people will go into Google, search for something, click an ad and, and be led to your website. SEO is search engine optimization, which is how high you rank uh, in search engines from the same journey, same user journey. So they type in uh, green giraffe and they <laughs> you've got loads of content on green giraffes and they come to the greengiraffe.com website which will be yours if that's what your charity helps um sorry that's just <laughs> me mansplaining some bits the, na- the now extent no, yeah. green giraffe it's... they didn't get a charity in time <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think i mean i didn't know these terms until two, until two years ago really myself mm. so um yeah i think they, they do need explaining i think a lot of charities are kind of scared of these terms um yeah. as was i uh, and so I think you know it, it just took a little bit of research, a few conversations with people to understand you know how could they help our charity and you know I, I'm no expert by any means now, um, but I kind of understand what they do on a loose sense and experimenting with them. So yeah. Would you say that most of your um, fundraising now has remained digital, or have you kind of like crept back into the physical events kind of space? What's kind of like the biggest portion of the pie? Which is a horribly corporate term. I'm sorry. <laughs> I regret it as soon as I said it. <laughs> From giraffes to pies. And, yeah, well, it's nearly lunch, so. Yeah, I, th- I think we've we've definitely going back to fundraising events. Um, mm. there's, there's something that you can't really replace with kind of in-person fundraising events, and mm. it you know it brings people together. It gives you the opportunity to have kind of meaningful conversations with people who are attending. Um, you know, whether it's a a marathon fundraiser where you kind of all run a marathon together and at the end you convene and you know people can share their stories and um it's it's a really nice way of engaging people um so we're definitely kind of moving back to that we're mm-hmm. scheduling for next year a lot of uh, in-person fundraising events um i think a because of the engagement this brings but also i think in terms of the the income generation it, it does for us uh, bring in um, a lot more income at the moment. Mm-hmm. I think we still haven't got to the point where we um, can rely on our digital fundraising. Uh, we, right. we don't have a team de- 
dedicated to that. Um, unfortunately, it's just myself in the UK. Um, I'm responsible for, for doing this as, as well as a lot of other things. And so I think it might be in the future that we kind of increasingly every year relying more and more on digital. And I think that's probably the way that we should go. But mm -hmm. I don't think it's necessarily a replacement for, for in-person fundraising events. I think, yeah, it's it's not everyone kind of thought after the pandemic that everything would stay online, but that you're right, even outside of charities, there's just something that you can't, it's not quite the same as it, you know, like lots of people run like virtual marathons in their back garden, but without <laughs> that like kind of like team spirit to cheer you on. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. So. Did you know that Jake Runner did the same thing? Oh, did you? No, I did not know that. Uh, I'm not sure I did, Jake. I, I did a, a marathon. I did the virtual London marathon. Um, uh -huh. but it was in kind of parks, but parks around London. So mm -hmm. I, yeah, mapped my own route uh, around on, on the same day as the London Marathon. And I decided to raise money for uh, one of the football players who had unfortunately lost his leg right. um, on a, a pretty bad kind of um, trekking incident where he stepped on a piece of metal and oh, got gangrene and had to have his leg amputated, which was just a really horrible story to hear. And um, I decided to, to help him with that. Um, and get a get a leg um, and a, an amputation, mm -hmm. and yeah, he he's now um, back on two feet, as it were. Um, yeah. he, he's moving around, and he he's even kind of back on the pitch coaching football. So, oh wow, um, yeah, it's really nice to kind of do these things and have a really kind of tangible result from your your fundraising. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's stories like that that keep us going. Yeah, are most of your um, this might be ignorant, but like obviously football is like a mechanism for you to deliver your mission in Zambia. Uh, does that mean most of your fundraisers end up being kind of like sports related, like marathons, football games, that kind of thing? Uh, yeah, to an extent, I think. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm very sporty myself. I love participating in lots of sports and whether that's football or cycling or running. Um, I kind of understand that it's not for everyone as well. So we, we make mm. sure that we don't evolve every event around sports. I think if it was my way, we'd be doing kind of tough mudders and marathons and cycles mm. all the time. But um, yeah, we even had um, someone walk the London Marathon this year. Um, and so we, we can provide alternatives like that. But well, one of our big, biggest fundraising events is actually a charity quiz and auction. Um, so oh. quite the opposite. People come, drink lots of beer and wine, um, um, have a lot of fun in the pub. And then we have an auction as well. Um, mm -hmm. where we managed to get donated prizes for kind of holidays and flights and things. Uh, and yeah, we, we do that every year and it's going to be again in February 2023. Oh, cool. So what does, to kind of like round up this segment, um, and I'm aware we've talked a lot about the negatives of the pandemic, what does the big picture look like for Play It Forward going forward in the next year? You've mentioned the events and stuff, but for you as the CEO, what will you be like spending most of your time on? Yeah, so definitely a lot of events, I think. Mm -hmm more than ever we have to think about fundraising all the time now um i think, I think there's so much competition um from, from other charities the cost of living crisis where people are kind of maybe not giving as much or, or maybe giving to charities at home um and so we we have to we, we can't do what we do without a, an income and knowing you know in a year we're going to have this much to continue these programs so mm -hmm. i think more and more my job uh, and the growth of Play It Forward um, has to be based around uh, fundraising and marketing strategy. So mm -hmm. we, we made a decision next year to actually um, probably hire someone uh, to come on board and, and do that full time. 
Um, we think that's kind of the natural growth in as a small charity, um, as it's just something that I can't possibly do alone. Um, mm -hmm. The more I learn about it, the more I realise how much there is to it. And, you know, whether that's engaging new donors or um, retaining them and keeping them warm and contacting and reaching out to them. Mm -hmm. um, there's huge amounts of work that, go, that goes into that. Uh, and so um, I think someone who's a marketing professional or fundraising professional would really help that. So that's planned for next year, along with um, quite a few fundraising events. So definitely kind of focusing on that side more of it. Awesome. So this last part of the segment is um, a set of questions that we ask to every guest. Uh, Jason, do you want to run through these ones? I've talked for a while. Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, we tweaked them slightly. Uh, I or, no, I think we're going to keep the same, 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 same approach. So we always ask people what the their view is on their marketing strategy and also to rank these marketing channels uh, from one to four in terms of effectiveness, effectiveness based on their experience. Um, so the four that we have uh, to, for you to kind of review um, are pay-per-click, which you mentioned earlier, uh, advertising. Uh, so uh, social media, so that could be organic or paid. Uh, so anything on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok, Twitter, uh, the rest. Uh, email marketing is, is the third one. And uh, search engine optimization, uh, which we explained earlier. So which of those is your, you, if you had to focus all of your energy into one of those as a marketing, digital marketing, what would you, what would you go for? Yes, yeah, a tough one, this, isn't it? Um, I, I think it's still would probably have to be email marketing as number one. Mm -hmm. um, I know it's been around for a long time and there's lots of new things that have come about, but I, th I think, you know, we can update donors and give them newsletters and keep them warm by a simple email. Um, mm -hmm. So for us, it's email marketing number one. And is that, uh, um, is that email marketing for a database you already have rather than cold emails? Yeah. Yes, exactly. So we've got a content management system um, that kind of we kind of input all our donor information on and it kind of tracks things like when the last email was sent and their address and events attended and things. Um, and this helps us to kind of keep track of this. Um, so we might send out particular kind of emails to particular groups of people depending on their previous donations and things like that. Um, so yeah, I think that's what it covers. And then probably social media at the moment. Um, we, we tend to get quite good engagement across a few kind of like Facebook, especially um, with our donors. Um, so I think, you know, we're always kind of doing posts, you know, two or three a week, um, trying to find ways that our audiences can learn more, um, can donate or, or get involved. Um, and then, yeah, probably SEO is three and then PPC four. I don't think this is because they're not as important, but it's just an area that I don't, I still haven't really seen huge kind of results in, um, partly because I haven't had the time to analyze what it's doing. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's more of a long-term strategy. Uh, I think we'll probably see the results uh, of SEO and um, PPC over kind of the next year. Um, but I think at the moment, we're still very much focused around kind of email uh, and social media, but I think it's an area that I definitely want to explore more and I realise that it has huge potential. Yeah, it's a shame that, that um, 
Astra's key kind of service <laughs> offering is yep. often number four. Um, <laughs> uh, we, we tried to change the industry we, we of people that we're asking on. And still, <laughs> still still on. No, I'm sorry, Astra. Yeah. That's all right, because you know, basically I'm getting fired at the end of the year. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> um, I think there are good answers. And I'd be interested, what are your social media posts? Because I know I just noticed today that you've got a TikTok account. I don't know if that's live, but I didn't get to go onto it. But like what's the how do you come up with the ideas for content and, and stuff like that? So yeah, I mean we do have a TikTok account. Um it's something that I think I created probably a couple of months ago now. Um we still haven't posted, I must confess. Um we're still <laughs> I'm still looking at to see what other charities are doing. Um, mm. And there's not a huge amount on there of content with with kind of particularly international development charities. Um, but it's the accounts there. So it's something for maybe 2023 for me to explore a bit more. Um, but yeah, with, with social media, we we try and tell stories. Um, we we get our team in Zambia to kind of um, you know, look at their um, kind of projects and find, you know, what has been the result, uh, the change of um you know this 12 year old girl who's in our programs and finding out how that's affected her life maybe putting that into a blog and then sharing that on social media so, so not, it's not always a plug for donate 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 i think particularly as a small charity we have to focus around our branding uh, and building trust with our donors um for, for bigger charities they, they've really got that they know whether it's kind of shelter or crisis they see the logo they trust them yeah. Uh, and they're happy to donate um, with us. We have to reach those audiences. We have to engage them. We have to build trust and then convince them to donate to our cause. Um, so I don't think you can do, you can't skip those steps. Um, and so I think we're trying to do a lot of work around branding um, and educating people on the issues that, that we're trying to tackle in Zambia. Um, mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people don't know that adolescent HIV infections are going up. Um, so it's things like that that you know is difficult for a charity. Not only do we have to kind of sell the cause, but we also have to inform people of, of what we're doing as well. That's it. Yeah. And the first time someone hears, oh, the adolescent rate of HIV is going up, they also have to have that as like a little barrier between them donating and them believing it. They have to kind of like sit on it, research. And so it's a bit of a longer journey for them, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, can well. I ask you as well, uh, on a scale of one to ten, how confident you are in your overall marketing strategy? Ooh, uh, <laughs> it's a big one. Yeah, I mean, not overly confident. Um, I, I would probably put it at a conservative kind of six. Um, I think it's it's an area where we are exploring at the moment. Um, you know my job involves a lot of things from kind of project management um to creating budgets and um finance and things and so you know typically in the past our kind of marketing strategy hasn't been a priority for us um but i think as kind of the years have gone on and i've realized kind of how i can really make the most impact uh, um in the uk um for this charity i think um we're now trying to kind of plan on a bit of a longer scale about what we're doing um, in marketing. So I think we're in kind of a testing phase where we're trying different things, seeing whether they work. And then I think I'll need to spend some time analyzing, you know, which which method, which channel is actually working most for us. Um, so I'm hoping by, you know, in a year's time, I'll come back and say our, our 
marketing strategy is a confident eight out of 10. But uh, at the moment, I'll say it's probably around the six. That's a, that's a good answer. And it answers the next question I have, which was what can you do to improve improve that score? Um, you always feel like with marketing, because it's so wide, there's always something more you can do that like you never feel like you've ticked every box and tried everything. It's mm-hmm. most of our strategy mm-hmm. meetings are, oh, can we do this? Can we do this? Can we do this? Followed by, okay, out of all of those hundred things, what will be actually, what's most likely going to work? And it's it's a difficult way. Mm-hmm. It's often the, the um, it's always likened to like spinning plates and just, just trying to keep your head above water, like lots of quite scary, anxiety inducing um, analogies to, to, to basically just trying to make sure that you've got a good, channel um a bit of people coming in and to donate so yeah i think that's a that's a good response i think everyone a lot of people feel that's where they're at uh, between six and eight um we're going to go into segment two now um astra any any other thoughts on segment one yeah just um obviously i know you read ppc a four jake but um Sorry, I didn't mean to sound so big. Um, <laughs> just came over me. Um, but you have recently taken advantage of Google Ads Grants. Um, so I just want to do a little little bit of a sneak in plug here to say that Google Ads Grants can be really profitable for charities. Um, they You can get up to £105,000 a year in funding for Google Ads Grants, um, which is fees usually to an agency, but not from Google. So all that pay, those clicks that you'd normally have to pay for, you don't have to pay for and you can drive traffic um, to your site to help increase fundraising, awareness, recruitment, anything like that. Um, so that's my plug. Jake, what was your experience with ad grants? I know you're kind of like, as you said, testing in the beginning phases. Yeah, I think it's it's something, as I said, that we've kind of only started in the last few months, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, I'd say we're yet to see the real results of, of how it's working. Um, I think it's a great scheme and I think every charity should explore it and sign up to it. Absolutely. Um, I think a lot of charities don't treat themselves as as businesses, um, mm. but they should take a more kind of business-minded approach um, in their fundraising. Um, we, we can't just rely organically um, on people donating and generosity. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to try and reach new audiences um, and to do it in a way that's driven by data um and digital is is the way forward so we we have to adapt and i think a lot of small charities aren't but i Mm -hmm. I would definitely encourage um, them to take the same approach try out see what happens it doesn't really cost much at all Mm -hmm. Um, and it's amazing it's it's free money so um you know we're kind of silly to turn it down in a way (laughs) perfect thank you for a perfect plug there Okay, uh, so now we're going to have a little bit more fun uh, with the uh, segment two. So we're just going to, what we normally do is, is fake facts. Uh, we've kind of taken it into a charity area um, to make it more more uh, specific. Um, so I've, I've, for the first time, we're doing a, a mini presentation, but it's not going to be death by, by PowerPoint. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's going to be a little quiz, I think. Uh, I'm going to have a go at this. With visual yeah. stimulation. <laughs> But remember, this is a podcast, so let's do audio description also. Okay, here we go. Can you see my screen? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's go to full screen on this. So uh, can you order these charity events uh, from the highest amount Ooh. fundraised to the lowest since their start date? Ooh. Ooh. I'm trying to think in terms of age, which one's the oldest? 
Oh, and I've got a, uh, assuming no, some, someone isn't watching. They are Soccer Aid. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm 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 new to the radio game. Uh, soccer, soccer Aid, Macmillan Coffee Morning, Race for Life, and Christmas Jumper Day. So my logic here is that all of them, apart from the Macmillan Coffee Mornings, happen, if I'm not mistaken, once a year. So for that reason. I think Macmillan Coffee Morning happens more regularly, so I'm going to put that one at the top. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Jake? Yeah, I was I was going to say the same. Um, I I know that this event has been running for for years and years and years, and yeah, like you said, it happens all throughout the year. Um, so yeah, I would definitely put that number one. And then maybe second, I think Soccer Age, just because it's like televised. <laughs> maybe that's biased though. He uses a lot of uh, influences from all over the world, like famous footballers. Mm. Mm. I'm gonna, I'm, it might be Soccer Aid, but I might be tempted to say Race for Life here. Um, I, I just can't remember when Soccer Aid started, but I feel like it's a more recent, more yeah. recent development. Um, so I, I'm going to say Race for Life. Maybe it's wrong. <laughs> okay, yeah, I think uh, I would put that one third. So I don't know. I don't. I didn't even know Christmas Jumper Day was a charitable thing. Yeah, I think it's going to come next week, isn't it? Maybe on the sixth or seventh of December or something. I'm just going to put mine on for the whole of December and hope for the best. Let's have a look at uh, at the answers then. So number one was Race for Life. Oh, oh okay. Oh, no. Wow. Forty-seven million pounds raised uh, since its start date. Number two, oh, Macmillan Coffee Morning, which is oh, what so you we went far off. Yeah, had uh, two hundred ninety million raised for Macmillan Coffee Morning since its uh, start date, and third is Soccer Aid, with oh, seventy five million, uh, which means that Christmas Jumper Day has raised um, thirty million, which is maybe mm. because we don't really associate it there's a charity you're meant to be given to as well yeah yeah, yeah. Maybe i can tell you which charity it is no, no, either. Either. no. do but we know need some work on, on the awareness of that uh i i don't know no um no no idea the next the the next bit is uh how much do you think november has raised since it started in 2004. oh that's a tough day I even um, kept my um, moustache on for this segment because I know we're past <laughs> the 30th of November. <laughs> I'm going to say 120 million. Um, cool. Right, so it started in 2004. I feel like Christmas Jumper Day was around the same and that raised 30 million. This is all absolutely baseless, by the way. It's just what I think. Um, I think less. I think like 90 mil, okay. maybe. I guess so it's nine, worldwide though. Oh, here's me backtracking. I'm gonna say and, 90. And a hundred and what did you say, Jake? I said 120. Um, okay. 698. What? No. Five oh times the amount that Jake said. Wow. So How guess, much have you raised for, with your mustache, Jason? For this movie? Um, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm still working on it. It's still not in <laughs> waiting for the big result. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know I know it's meant to be over, but I'm uh, I'm I'm running late. So I I, I donated forty two pounds, which is the most that Amazon Instagram would let me donate to someone else's. Uh, set up my own campaign using their link, kind of botched it, 
um and so i i will eventually raise a bit more than that but <laughs> yeah it's really not but thank you anyway um, you, also, yeah, so. you also i'm pretty sure you started growing the mustache in october so you had like a begin a head start and yeah <laughs> <laughs> the truth comes out. That is true. That is true. Maybe you'll do better Christmas jumper day, eh? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe that's what I can do is raise awareness for what it is all for and take money at the door of every person I see yeah. with Christmas jumper. Um, our third and final segment is um, a new one called Marketing Gripes. So there's a lot of advertising on TV at the mm -hmm. moment. And now when you think of marketing, you normally think of TV advertising, I think. That's what I kind of used to think of before I was involved in it. Um, and there are things that grind people the wrong way, I think, for sure. Definitely, I can think of some things, Astra probably too. But I'd be interested to know, Jake, what, what it is that annoys you or, or a question you have about, like, why is it done like that uh, when it comes to, to marketing in general? Yeah, I think there's still there's still a tendency for charities to kind of go down this route of what could be perceived as maybe poverty shaming. Um, and it's it's kind of they play a, a video, very emotional, um, with, with kind of very, very sad music. And it kind of portrays it portrays um, you know, their beneficiaries as somewhat helpless um, mm -hmm. and that they have to have our support. Um, I think. And I hope that the kind of narrative is changing and we're trying to kind of use this approach of, of saying, actually, you know, um, if we're going to go to Zambia, most people are quite happy. Um, mm. it's, it's not the case that everyone is crying because they're so poor. Um, and that's not to say that there are a lot of problems, but I think, you know, we can present it in a way that um, is happier. Um, and, you know, I think people are now starting to buy in into campaigns that show enjoyment and show the impact that the charity is having. Mm. Um, but clearly, there's still some very successful charities who are using that kind of old school approach, and and maybe it's working for them still. But um, yeah, I just get confused as to kind of what narrative we should be um, portraying in our campaigns. Yes. Yeah, I think as well, I like read a psychological study on those things. And because um, obviously they were huge in the 90s. Like I remember seeing so many of them like text to donate and sign up. But uh, I think after seeing it three times, your brain becomes like 70% less reactive. Like the initial one is like, oh my God, that's awful. I should give my money. But then you just become desensitized. So it doesn't feel like it would be super effective, especially in this day and age when we're kind of more aware of what it is they're trying to do and psychologically. So, and there definitely seems to be a trend across charities and uh, just generally on like TV ads, like you said, Jason, of like empowerment. Like I'm thinking of like this girl can. It's a charity, obviously, trying to encourage women into sports and stuff. And it's not like, oh, they can't, they can't play football, they can't play hockey. It's like a really empowering message about what women can do that they've been told they can't. And I just think, oh, yeah, I think that's the way, the way to go. But again, I'm not, I'm not professional. <laughs> yeah, I would say to that as well. It's, it's a case of like campaigns that work have a little bit of a reflection on society and what we know mm. and are educated on. So if those campaigns that depict uh, poverty all the time in association with those countries are, are doing the, the work, part of it will be because, well, part of it is emotionally pulling on your heartstrings, but part of it is because that's the way that that's seen and it's it works when it's seen that way than it does in, when it's seen in a more positive way, perhaps. So there's like such an education piece there to do. And in, in, if you put two campaigns up against each other where one 
educates them on the good and everything, the positive, and the other one just focuses on the negative so that it can get action from you. And the and the, the mm. latter wins and gets more money. That's the mm. one that people will go with, yeah. even though one of those things does a much better longer-term effect yeah. in terms of the whole thing. So it's, it's a really difficult one, isn't it? It's a bit of a trick in the next scenario of like what actually um, improves people's understanding of of the problems and the complexity and which ones maybe take more money but actually make the situation worse because they provide this like picture that's inaccurate um of the and also of the like it's it's not good for the when you're from that country to to hear that people think that way about yeah. your country like it harms it is quite harmful in terms of how aid is then is is given out isn't it so yes it's a difficult one that that's mm-hmm. a good one though good good answer um, I, have, I have two short but sweet marketing gripes, which kind of like pull on what you said there, Jake. The first one is like the use of the word suffering, which is kind of what you're saying when people mm. say, oh, they're suffering from. It's like, you don't you don't know that they're suffering. Mm. Secondly, and I noticed this yesterday and I'm going to call out the company that it was. I was on Northern Rail train yesterday. The lack of person first language, like they still use signs. that's like this area is for disabled people. It's like widely accepted that it's people with disabilities. And I couldn't believe yeah. that. I looked at it for like 10 minutes and I was like, I can't believe we're still talking about people like this. So mm. sort it out, Northern Rail. I know you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a marketing oh. grab, Jason? I've been, I'm off my soapbox now. Yeah, yeah. You, actually, <laughs> you, just triggered, you just triggered one, actually, just because you talked about rail. Mm. It's uh, it's a really easy win, a really easy, um, uh, I can't think of the word, but it's an easy target, I guess. Um, mm. But national, is it Trainline were trying to get me to join the campaign of um, using railway instead of driving so that I can save the planet and so on and so forth. And it's just like the the timing and everything of it all just feels so out of touch with what Mm. the real, like really with the way that we, the, the way we use the railway is it's a necessary not, I wouldn't say necessary evil, but we use it because we need to get to from A to B. And every year they put the prices up and every year there's some grumble with regards to how much they pay their staff, which don't mm-hmm. seem to get any more money, even though the prices go up every year um, and then they make record profits. So for then them to say, like to try and appeal to this, like, you know, join the cause, it's just like applying a cause to things like that. Mm-hmm. I get the idea. I get all of the the whole context behind it. But sometimes you have to know when it's going to land on piss and or the opposite, piss people off. Because I was trying to book a train, but I had four minutes to book. This is very personal now. You can see it's triggered me. Four, four minutes to book this train, and I went onto the app, and it was like sign the cause, sign a petition. I was like, bruv, I've got three minutes. I'm trying. I don't have time to be reading about you know about this. And also, I just don't believe in it. I don't believe that by doing this, I'm gonna that's gonna solve the problem. Which the problem they're trying to sell me is. The environment i don't believe they care about that i, I just don't i think they're just using it as a way to commit you to a life of rail yeah. spend mm. more money and, and take take it all um all the price like prices. yeah essentially yeah um so that's my biggest my biggest gripe um but i know and i understand why the team would have put that together maybe if i was in that team i would have done the same thing too but mm-hmm. now i'm on the other side and as a, as a user, as a customer, I just it really it, it wound me up. So, so like you need to write a strongly worded complaint letter and yeah. In Jason, tweet yeah. them, tweet yeah, them, tweet, tweet them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've done that before, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Screaming into the echo chamber. 
Well, I guess what I need to do is is do a better campaign um, so that we win jobs like that. And we, you know, as an agency, we produce better campaigns. That's what we really need to do. Um, it's easy to criticise and not so easy to do. To, to do better into therapy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but these, these things often do. Um, thank you so much. I, I think that closes like the much of the conversation. I think like we could talk for yeah, a lot Yeah, so much we could unpick. Uh, but it's been really good we've covered so much uh there's so much i've learned about how you've the different ways in which you fundraise um jacob play it forward and the work you do um there's is, some interesting things have come out about i was interested with your scores actually on each of those channels i, I thought it didn't it didn't expect that so much um and the gripes were fun i think that's a new good segment um any any final thoughts astro and drake um, I just I've done my Google Ads grant plugs. Jake, is there anything that you want to tell listeners or about your charity, personal things, whatever you might want to say? No, yeah. No, no. Firstly, just thank you again for for having me on. Um, it's yeah, it's nice to have the opportunity to kind of vocalise kind of some of the issues that we have around fundraising and marketing. Um, and I think yeah, particularly small charities, which mm. which we are one. Um, we have a lot of challenges around this, and I think you know. When you only have one or two members of the staff it's it's hard to know where to prioritize um so i think yeah charities just need to think more digital um and, and yeah explore these things um because they they are rewarding and you know if you don't adapt you're you're not going to survive um unfortunately we're in a place at the moment where it is um incredibly difficult for, for everyone including charities so um yeah get on it get those ad grants <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much and thank you for coming on it's been a pleasure to, you've been a fantastic first charity guest no worries thank um, you for having me so we'll round it off there bye from the team here at web presence